0: Over
1: the last 12 months, there has just been too much talk about death, too much. Turn on the news, listen to the radio, casual conversations, it just seems to keep coming up, and there are reasons. Nearly half, or over half, a million Americans have died to COVID-19. That's nothing compared to the global number. 2.7 million people have died around the globe because of the pandemic. There have been protests this year, protesting the unlawful, unjust deaths of, of people like George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, Rayshard Brooks, Tony McDade, and others. Just this week, there was a shooting in Atlanta. Eight died six of them Asian American women. This coming June, here in Orlando, we will remember and honor the fifth anniversary when 49 members of our own community, members of the LGBTQ community, were murdered at the Pulse nightclub. And here in the church, this season, Lent, focuses on one particular death, Jesus's journey to the cross, dying sacrificially for all of us, that's an important death, but you add it to all the others, and it's just too much. It's too much. I, I fear that so much talk about death can lead from from one extreme possibly to the other. On one extreme, to hear about death all the time might make us afraid to live. We might start to feel like our lives are always in jeopardy. But on the other extreme, hearing so many reports of death, we might become callous. It might not affect us at all. It's critical for people like you and I, people of faith, to remember that death is both the enemy of life. Life is a gift. And death has been conquered by Jesus. It's both. Christians value the gift of life. We guard it. And We know ultimately death has been defeated by Jesus' resurrection. The great theologian Karl Barth said, death, like sin, is an intruder into human life. In the original scheme for this, death had no place at all. In God's original design and intent, death and sin had no part in God's good creation. Just this week, my two Bible studies were reading the Gospel of John. Some refer to the Gospel of John as the Gospel of life because in it, Jesus makes reference to life over and over and over. The Gospel of John begins with a prologue that says, "...in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." And all things that exist came through him, Jesus, the Word. And in him was light and life. Throughout, John, throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus offers the gift of new life. It's, it's a spiritual rebirth that comes to those who desire it. To the woman at the well, he offered streams of living water that would never run dry. He told the crowds that he was the bread of life that had come down from heaven. Jesus said, I have come. that You may have life in all of its fullness, all of its abundance. He said that eternal life is knowing him and the one who sent him. He invites us to abide in him as the source of our life. And of course, following his death, When he was resurrected, he defeated death so that we may live forever. Life, 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 and more life throughout the Gospel of John. And then we come to today's story in John chapter 11. The raising of Jesus' friend Lazarus from the dead. Now, Now, Jesus didn't raise many people from the dead during his ministry. There are just three stories, and this is one of them. But this, in particular, this story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead is particularly unique. One thing that makes this story unique is its placement. According to John, it happened just before Palm Sunday, just before Jesus entered that final week of his life. It's interesting. It may be chronologically true, that's when it happened, but but it's interesting in the story when Jesus was so fixated on, when all the momentum seemed to be leading to the cross, to his death at Golgotha, and this pause in the story before Easter where Jesus confronts the power of death. It's also unique in that We think the other two times that Jesus raised someone from the dead, that they were strangers to him. Not so with Lazarus. Lazarus was his friend, a friend he loved. He had two sisters, Mary and Martha. I'm sure you've heard of them. This family was particularly close to Jesus. When when they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick, they said, Lord, the one whom you love is ill. There was a particular, special bond. You you can imagine that the illness and the death of Lazarus would affect Jesus deeply and personally. Now, the other thing that's just interesting to me about this story is that it's traditionally read in the church on this Sunday, the Sunday before Palm Palm Sunday, before Easter, Throughout Lent, we focus increasingly toward Jesus' journey to the cross, but the church has said that we need this story in the midst of the dark season of Lent as a a foretaste, as a a precursor, as a a glimpse into what will happen on the other side of the cross. Arguably, this story is... Is a strange one for a number of reasons. But the thing I find most odd is that Jesus clearly loved this family. He clearly loved this particular friend. But when word came to him that Lazarus was ill, Jesus didn't rush to be by his side. Jesus seems kind of passive, no hurry. He kind of drags his feet. In fact, he doesn't leave for for days. And when he arrives in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, Mary and Martha, Lazarus is dead. He's already been in the tomb for four days. Mary and Martha are understandably distraught. And as you read the text, you might even sense they're a little angry at Jesus. Why hasn't he come? Why did he come in time, when, when Martha gets the word that Jesus is approaching, she rushes from the house and heads straight to Jesus. Ma- Mary stayed back at the house, kind of consumed in her grief, but, but not Martha. Martha was always the assertive one. She marched right up to Jesus and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Can You hear the confrontation? In essence, she's saying, this is your fault. You could have saved him. Where, Where were you? What took you so long? Where were you when we needed you? I wonder if you've ever asked Jesus those kinds of questions. If you've ever had a moment where something happened, you called out to God for assistance, and the assistance didn't seem to come. All the deaths that I mentioned earlier, I wonder how many people have called out, where were you? Why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you show up? Why didn't you save my loved one? I've been there. Many of us have been there. If you've ever felt that, if you've ever asked that kind of question or thought it, then you understand what's going on in, in Martha in these words. Who could blame her? In John's Gospel, Jesus often uses moments like these to to point to something larger, something deeper, something more spiritual than than just the the physical, the literal, the, the present circumstances. In that moment, Martha was fixated on what literally had happened Her brother got sick. They sent word to Jesus, and her brother was dead. He was in a tomb. It was over. That's that's the literal of the situation. Jesus saw an opportunity to take Martha and Mary to a deeper place spiritually, to reveal that there is something deeper at work, something greater that is possible. He's about to show her that life in his hands is stronger than death. That he has within him the power to defeat death. Jesus says to Martha, your brother Lazarus will rise again. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Mary? Martha, do you believe this? And she does. In that moment, she seems to humble herself a bit. Her, her faith in Jesus seems to be restored. She says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ. That means Messiah, God's son, the one who is coming into the world. Martha sensed something is about to happen. She rushed back to the house to get Mary. She didn't want Mary to miss it. She brings Mary to Jesus, and you know what Mary says? The exact same words that Martha had said. Lord, if you had been here, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Martha said it, Mary said it, I've said it, you've said it, we've all said it. Lord, if only you had listened, if you had been there, Sometimes our vision for what God can do is just too small. Jesus says, where have you laid him? They take him to the tombs. Lazarus has been placed in a tomb that's something like a cave. I suspect it was similar to what Jesus was placed in after his death. A a big stone had been rolled in front of the entrance. Jesus said, roll it away. I wonder if Jesus said something similar on Easter morning. Roll it away. Jesus took a moment to pray, to call on the Father's help. Then he said in a loud, strong voice, Lazarus, come out. I don't know if he was loud or not. That's how I imagine it. Lazarus, come out of the tomb. He said it loud enough for him to hear it, I bet. I bet he spoke with authority. I bet there was power in his voice. I bet there was defiance in his voice. He was speaking to death. You will not win. I want my friend back. Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Moments later, here comes Lazarus, stumbling out of the cave's entrance, bound up in cloths that had been wrapped around him at his death. He was alive because of Jesus He was alive. In the words of Paul, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where is your victory, O death? Where is your sting? Throughout the Gospel of John, every story, it seems, in John, there are always two layers of meaning. On one level, it's just sort of the surface meaning. This is what's happening. This is what I see. But always, always, Jesus is talking about a deeper spiritual reality. On one level is the literal, the physical, the earthly, beneath it, a deeper spiritual truth. In this case, the the literal physical reality, the surface level, was, was that this guy was dead. He'd been placed in a tomb for four days. He'd been wrapped in burial cloth. And now, sometime, somehow, he'd been resuscitated. He was alive. Now, now, let me mention one other literal, physical reality. Lazarus would die again. This wouldn't be the last time he'd be raised. He was just raised to live a normal human life. He would die again just as we all will die. His, his being raised from the tomb in, in John 11 was just a temporary reality until his final death but Jesus is really revealing here a deeper spiritual reality that he Jesus the Messiah the Christ the son of God possessed possesses power over death Lazarus's death was a, a literal physical death in just days Following this event, Jesus would experience a literal, physical, barbaric death. This year, millions of people have died terrible, physical, literal, tragic deaths. But Jesus isn't just talking about the ending of our mortal life, that is significant, of course. Here we see Jesus revealing that he has the power of life in all circumstances. Deaths come in many forms. Death wears many faces. The most extreme form is when our mortal body dies. But there are lesser deaths in this life that are painful. The end of a relationship is a death. The end of a job, the end of a career is a death. Losing someone you love is a death, but it's also a death for you. A lost hope, an unrealized hope, a crushed dream is a death. Failure, abandonment, betrayal, all forms of death. Experiencing a life-altering injury or illness is a form of death. Experiencing an unexpected tragedy is a form of death. Any, any kind of loss, really, is a kind of death. Any time something or someone precious to us is taken away, there's death. Any time our circumstances change For the worse, unexpectedly, it will feel like a disaster and death. Any time we go through hurt or pain or loss, the feeling of finality, the hopelessness, will likely feel like a dark, inescapable tomb. It may feel like death. Some deaths are life-ending and some aren't. Some deaths are physical, some are emotional, some are relational, some are psychological, some are spiritual, but every death is painful. Every death is crushing. Every death we experience in this life casts the illusion of finality. Because in the hands of Jesus, death is not the final word. Nothing is final with Jesus until Jesus says so. You see, this isn't just a story about Lazarus being raised from the dead. This isn't just some isolated story that happened 2,000 years ago. This isn't just a story about Life and death and eternal life. The point of this story is that the life Jesus offers every single one of us, Lazarus and you and me, is greater than any kind of death. Just hear these words from Scripture. Romans 6-4, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too can walk in the newness of life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old things have gone away, and look, new things have arrived. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, God is rich in mercy. He brought us to life with Christ while we were dead as a result of those things that we did wrong. He did this because of the great love that he has for us. You are saved by God's grace, and God raised us up and seated us in the heavens with Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? That's a a present tense reality. He's already raised us up. He's already seated us in the heavens. And then in Revelation, the promise of Jesus at the end of things, then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making all things new. This promise goes from, from book to book, page to page, story to story throughout Scripture that God's desire for us is life, that Jesus came to give us life, and he defeated death so that we could have the fullness of life. Because of Jesus, because of his death and his resurrection, the life-giving power and potential of Jesus' resurrection has been unleashed in this world. It's been poured out into every nook and cranny, every crease and wrinkle, every crook and corner, every crack and crevice of this broken and death-filled world, offering promise and potential and possibility. Makoto Fujimura writes, through the fissures of our broken journeys, With pieces of our hearts shattered on the ground, we journey by God's grace into the new creation. God sees beyond our shattered remains. He picks them up and sings a song over us. Now, now I need to be clear. Let's, Let's be honest about the situation. Jesus doesn't necessarily just stroll into every tragedy, snap his fingers, and make things all perfect again, just returning to things the way they were. doesn't work that way. We can never forget that when Jesus emerged from the tomb, he had nail-scarred hands, symbols of the trauma that he endured for us. Jesus said also in John, in this life you will have trouble. He just says it as a fact. This life won't be easy. But then he adds, take heart. I have overcome the world. Even in tragedy, even in death, even in loss, there is promise. Because of Jesus' power over death, there is promise of new beginning, new possibility, new hope, and new life. Jesus doesn't just come along and erase the tragedy or loss as much as we wish he would. but He never allows tragedy or loss or death to have the final word. Friends, I wonder... I wonder what what deaths and disappointments you've endured. I wonder what losses and, and what setbacks you've experienced. I wonder what griefs and fears and doubts you've carried. I wonder what burial cloths have bound you in death. I wonder what tombs you have felt trapped in. I wonder if you've had your faith your trust, your hope in God, challenged. I wonder if you've ever asked the question, oh God, where were you when I needed you? I want to invite you today to listen carefully. To Just open your ears of faith. And I wonder if you just might hear The voice of Jesus saying, come out. Come out of your tomb. There's a new beginning. There's a new life. There's new hope. Come out. Begin again.
0: We hope you enjoyed the podcast and that you will listen again in the future. If you enjoyed today's message, we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and share it with others on social media. For more information about First Church Orlando, please visit our website at firstchurchorlando.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If this podcast is a valuable resource to you, We invite you to give to this ministry by making a financial contribution at firstchurchorlando.org forward slash give. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.